Hey there, thank you so much for listening to the Big Time Talker podcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network, live from Washington, D.C. I'm Burke Allen, and thanks to our sponsor, SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest virtual online speakers bureau. So let's say you're a, a meeting planner and your meeting is kaput because of the pandemic and people staying home and you're trying to figure out how to make this work. Well, you can log on to SpeakerMatch.com for lots of resources and uh, talk to hundreds, maybe thousands of speakers that can come and do your event either in person or virtually. SpeakerMatch.com, proud to sponsor the Big Time Talker podcast. And we are proud to welcome today's guest to the program. Uh, I think we need some levity in today's world. So we are visiting with David Sampson, who uh, is the the visionary, if you will, behind FunnyGuy.com, the number one funny guy on the internet. David, what is funny about the pandemic? How are you doing this? Well, the pandemic is not funny, but the way of dealing with it, dealing with it is funny. But first, did you know, Burke, that you and I have a very powerful, even mystical connection from way back? Stop it. Tell me. Absolutely. I heard one of your previous podcasts, Yes. and you said earlier in your radio career, you were the announcer for Wendy's, and you said at Participating Wednesday, at Participating Wendy's, yes. that was your big lie. That's right. That was the one. Well, when I was practically a baby, I was part of the advertising team that created the Where's the Beef campaign for Wendy's. No. Yes, really. What? So these are the tagline for possible commercials I probably wrote. Now, the reason I'm mentioning this is because there's a very pertinent reason why this is important even today and why Where's the Beef it actually indicates how we can deal with the pandemic. Okay, tell as, me. As, as you know, Where's the Beef is the most recalled advertising line of all time, and for good reason. The original demographic was for for the commercial to appeal to 16 to 25-year-olds. We went the totally opposite way and got an 85-year-old woman to deliver the Where's the Beef line. The reason, the reason it worked, though, was the commercial was symbolic. What, what market research had shown us that people were feeling ripped off, they were feeling cheated, they were feeling deceived. And Wendy's, using market psychology, played on that to get across a humorous but smart message that separated Wendy's from everyone else. So what happened is that worked terrifically, but because of the marketing psychology behind it. But there's even more than that, and this is what shows the power of humor, because that commercial decided a presidential election. What happened in 1984, when Walter Mondale was running for president, and he was in a primary battle with Gary Hart for the nomination. Three words, and got Mondale the nomination for president. Of course, Mondale lost to Ronald Reagan in a landslide, losing 49 of the 50 states, because I guess he really didn't have the beef. Well, there's no- However... Yeah. And however, what happened was that it proved that humor can turn something really small into something incredibly huge. That's why power of humor is undeniable. So what I say is the best solution for dealing with the pandemic is to fight back with the powerful pandemic of humor. 
And I think if the Donald Trump were the plenty secretary of humor, that's what should happen. Because that's what his administration seriously needs. That should be a cabinet so, level position in your mind. A cabinet level, a cabinet level position, no doubt what, whatsoever. And Donald Trump himself has acknowledged I'm a funny guy in person. Tell me about uh, so that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't just skim past that. Tell me how that works, that the most powerful sure man can. in the world. I, 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 can, I can tantalize your audience and skip it to the very end. But I'll tell you, <laughs> before Donald Trump became president, of course, he was a real estate guy in New York City, where yeah. I'm from, which probably everyone can tell by now from New York City. What's the tell? So, What's the giveaway? Would it be that accent? Is there a, a little hint of that in there? Yo, baby, what are you talking about? Are you trying to dish me or something? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so before you, some years before we became a president, <clears throat> um, I was working with someone, and they had a proposition for Donald Trump, and we had a mutual connection. So I went to see Donald Trump to uh, see if he might be interested in this proposition. And <clears throat> first of all, Donald Trump is huge. When I say huge, I mean ten feet tall. He is huge, huge, huge. So. I walked into his I walked into his office and as he stands up to his full height, crosses his arms, looks down on me, and says, I hear you're a funny guy. Make me laugh. Oh man. And I'm looking up at him and I cross my arms, look back up at him, and say, I hear you're a billionaire. Make me rich. <laughs> so, <laughs> And did you get a laugh? Got a laugh. Got his, he put his hand on my shoulder. I smiled. We, we, you know, we, uh, we chatted for a few minutes. The deal never happened. But what happened was that bridge, that, that humor was the bridge that opened the door. Otherwise, the door would never have even cracked open. Boosts oxygen in your bloodstream, and it also stimulates the production of endorphins. Your your body, your brain, and your body's built-in painkiller. More incredibly, laughter actually increases our immune cells and infection-fighting antibodies, improving our resistance to disease. So weird as it sounds, weird as it sounds, humor can actually help you fight the coronavirus, and that's amazing. I love that. David Sampson, by the way, is our guest from funnyguy.com, and we're talking about humor in the era of uh, the pandemic and where you can find humor in in anything. And and one of the things I thought was interesting is I I checked you out online at at funnyguy.com, David, is that you talk about the the differences in humor, and I think that's probably more important than ever. We're not talking about offensive humor or corny humor or stupid humor. You kind of have to thread that needle uh, and be smart about your humor, and I wonder if you might have any suggestions on how people can do that. Absolutely. I think what, what happens is many people have a sense of humor, but they're scared to be funny. Because they're scared to be funny because they think they'll, be, they'll fall flat on their face being funny. 
So there's a difference, and it's a very subtle difference, but there's a real difference between comedy and humor. Comedy, when you're a stand-up comic, when you're a stand-up comic, your object is to get laughs. That's it, just to get laughs. Humor is is something quite different. It's expressing uh, a sentiment, expressing a feeling, expressing a point of view where the humor helps you make the point you want to make, the important point you want to make, just like Where's the Beef did. So when you're using humor, you're being authentic. You're being yourself because humor is actually more you. It's more about you. So you can't really fail with humor, but you can fail trying to be the next uh, stand-up comedian. So that's the key when I work with clients and I work with um, with people, speakers, from pastors to presidents of corporations to real estate agents to whoever, is showing the built-in humor that they have and that can help them deliver their message to their audience in the most profound way. Our guest is David Sampson from funnyguide.com. And David, tell me about that. How is it when you say you work with pastors and you work with uh, you know, politicians and, and business people on humor, are you sort of a, a, a humor coach, if you will? Yeah, I'm a humor coach and consultant. There um, was recently a, um, a reverend in the uh, in the local area who was talking to people, trying to get them um, um, to stay together, couples to stay together, and he has a fairly large congregation. However, he was worried that it's hard to get people's attention, and and what I did was create some sound bites for him. That he could use throughout his speech and in his uh, and online, and one of my created was the first thing uh, he gets up on stage and he looks at the audience and he says, first of all, I want us all to remember that we're God's that we're all God's children from our previous marriage." <laughs> That's a good line. That's good. And, and what ha- what happens was that people just go, "What? What? Huh? 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 Huh?" And and he went on to use that line, saying, if, if, if we were God's children in previous marriage, none of us would be here. That's why it's important for us to stick together as, you know, in the first marriage as, as long as we can for the rest of our lives. And it went on from there. So what happened from a room, he woke up the room immediately with a line. And that's what laughter does. It, it wakes you up, shakes you up, and it's unexpected. So that's that's the key of it, Burke. FunnyGuy.com is the website. David Sampson is our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast, sponsored by Speaker Match. And we're talking to him about how to find humor, even in dark times, even in uncertain times. And, uh, David, I know you mentioned earlier in the broadcast that we have that that very interesting Wendy's connection. When those were the, the first three words I ever said in a radio commercial, perhaps you wrote them. So I wonder if, uh, <laughs> you know, you may have written at Participating Wendy, so you put the words into my mouth, which is pretty interesting. Um, is there is there a difference when you coach folks on how to, to get the funny out uh, in in written humor versus verbal humor? Is there, a, is there sort of a, a different uh, way to go about doing that? Absolutely. And um, writing humor in itself in the written form is, is, is very, very difficult because there's nothing but the words on the page. You have no gestures, facial expressions, timing. None of the tools that you have in a live performance or even an online performance 
on a on the podcast on a podcast on a on a on the online video. So written humor has to be done in a way that lulls you into something and then unexpected the great humorous of our of our time, the people like Kurt Vonnegut, uh Joseph Heller, by the way, two people, two two authors I studied with in the school who uh, taught me an incredible amount about writing and humor and timing, including people who could both perform perform and write humor, people like George Carlin uh, and and other people who are very, very good. Woody Allen is a fabulously gifted humor writer and great fan of comic and obviously a great filmmaker. So the, the, the difference in, in writing com and writing is writing has to have, in a sense, a more sophisticated setup. When you're actually doing humor on stage and performing, there is coaching that I can do to make the delivery of a line that may not be that funny written, hilarious in real life. Jack Benny used to just look at the audience and keep them laughing for 30 seconds before he said anything. Right. So there are ways of, 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 of doing that in person, too. Our guest, David Sampson, joins us today talking about how to be funny even during the uh, the pandemic when things don't seem funny at all. Hey, David, what is the difference? You, you called yourself uh, there a humorist. There's a difference between being a humorist and a comic or a comedian. What What is the difference in those two things? Well, the difference, uh, the difference in being a humorist is, is I always try to to write something that makes a point, that's not just funny. I'm a, I view myself as a contrarian. A contrarian is a person who sees the opposite of things, and I learned that early, early on. As a matter of fact, I'll go back to the, um, to the Where's the Beef campaign. But there was an important contrary lesson there. The campaign was targeted, uh, what we call the demographic in advertising, towards 16 to 25-year-olds, the people who normally go to burger joints. Right. Right. The last person in the world today you would use to get people to go, 16 to 25-year-olds to a, to a burger joint is an 85-year-old woman. Yeah, yeah. Every person would say, no, 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 they won't relate to that. The truth of the matter is the important lesson of humor is humor is the opposite of what you expect. And what happens is that because this 85-year-old woman was the opposite of what the 16- and 25-year-olds expected, it worked beautifully. And that goes for, for almost every successful humorist, that they go in a direction that's opposite. So when I call myself a humorist, it's because... When I write books or, or coach or, or speak, I go the opposite way. I um, For a while, there was a, uh, not only a while, even today, there, uh, Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins is a very popular motivational uh, speaker. It was popular today. There were many, many motivational speakers with a motivational message, which is fine and well. So I wrote a book and did a presentation called American Idol, spelled I-D-L-E, and the subtitle was How to Avoid Achieving Anything. And the point of the book is, ultimately, it's much harder to do nothing than something. We may as well do something because sitting around all day being a couch potato is practically impossible. So what I try to do is, both in the advertising work I do for people, the promotional work, PR, everything else, is, is strike 
a contrarian theme that gets people noticed. In relationship books, I wrote a book called Men Who Hate Themselves and the Women Who Agree With Them. And what happened from that again, got booked at a lot of psychological conventions and relationships and got me a job as the head of advertising for Great Expectations, which was a video dating service that was very popular a number of years back. And, uh, so humor as a, I know I'm being serious now because humor is serious. <laughs> See, that's all right. And there's, and there's a lot of, and there's a lot of pandemic humor. So what I'm trying to do here is, is not just be funny, but give people the background and the insight and the techniques of humor and some tools that can not only help them deal with the coronavirus, but coronavirus will pass. However, there are stresses, tragedies, situations, marketing, work relationships, personal relationships that will go on and on and on and on. So the same tools that we use to deal with this major catastrophe happening now can be used for the rest of our lives for, for dealing with whatever comes up. My parents, who were part of the... Um, generation that won World War II and the Great Depression survived because of humor. And and they had a great sense of humor, my parents, and it got them through a horrible depression, which was far worse than what we're going through today, as well as a world war. So if they could do it, we could certainly do it by staying home and locking down for a few months. Yeah, you know, I think you make a great point. And by the way, if you're just joining us, David Sampson is our guest from FunnyGuy.com. Uh, funny and He's uh, billed as the number one funny guy uh, found on the internet, and that is that that David, when you uh, you look at somebody on on TV or in the movies, and you think, my God, that you know Will Ferrell, what a hilarious guy, or or whoever it might be, John C. Riley, what you know, he's he's incredibly funny. It is a skill that can be learned and and can be taught, and and that's a lot of what uh, what David Sampson does. He he's not a comedian; he's a humorist, and he can teach you how to do humor and and weave it into what you do. You've done a lot of work in in advertising. You just talked about that a little bit, and and I'm curious when you watch advertising campaigns now as somebody who worked in that business for so long if the humor of the ad sometimes completely eclipses the brand awareness and, and i think about all those you know very funny super bowl ads that you laugh and laugh at and afterwards you have no idea what the commercial was for so can the humor right. sometimes eclipse the message absolutely and they call it the vampire effect the company said millions of dollars Everyone loves the commercial, and nobody recalls the, the brand or the company. And, and that's because um, humor is, is imposed on, a, on, a, on, on the product or service, and it doesn't really grow out of the product or service. And I'll just, since we're to be this familiar, I'll, I'll, I'll show you where that um, came from. The truth is, is that Wendy's hamburgers at a time were a fraction of an ounce more than say McDonald's or Burger King. I mean, it was imperceptible. It was very small. But what happened, it was they could use that small difference to tell a big story. And that's what happens uh, today in successful advertising. You use a small difference to tell a big story. Unfortunately, what happens is you have a lot of frustrated comedians and stand-up comics working in uh, whether it's YouTube or, or other areas, 
and they have to joke first and try to squeeze the product or service into it, and that's when it usually falls flat on its face. And there, there's a lot of examples of, uh, of humor that just fell flat, uh, fell flat on its face. One, one, one of the worst, I think, I won't mention the, I won't mention the, the exact company. There's a company that, that produced very, very uh, beautiful faucets for sinks and bathtubs and, uh, and known for their uh, the beautiful uh, faucets and, and other plumbing apparatus they created. However, they did a commercial with, uh, and they, you see a hand touching the faucets and touching the knobs and everything, and the hand saying oh, how beautiful it is, how beautiful it is, and how beautiful it is, and when you pull back, you see the person touching the faucets and the, the handles and the knobs of all the plumbing is blind. And he said, it even looks beautiful to me. Well, that got an incredible negative reaction because people thought that was really, really bad and, and offensive. Years earlier, uh, and I was at the same agency I worked at in New York, uh, Dancer Gerald Sample, they did a commercial with Stevie Wonder. And Stevie Wonder's commercial was a PSA, a public service, public service announcement, in which he said, I would rather drive myself or the drunk to drive me home. And it was for, uh, it was for Mothers Against Drunk Driving, uh, Matt. And that commercial worked beautifully because what happened is he made an incredible point and, and, and his blindness actually lent power to the message. Where at this point, bring, uh, with the, uh, with the plumbing. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.